Hello, welcome to Astami Fault Theoshi Podcast. It's not popular. Episode 166. My name is Justin. And mine's Helen. Um, if anybody out there noticed, hey, wait a minute. Wasn't this episode supposed to come out last Friday? Well, for the record, I'd like to say that even though I went to Katsukan, this was not my fault. Like, I came back, I was ready to do a podcast, even though I was going to be really tired, you know, gonna, not my fault. I was going to, hey, hey, look, look at Helen. I was about to take the blame, 100% full ownership, but you just had to go put it out there. Ugh. But yes, um, wasn't feeling too good on recording day. Uh, may even sound like I'm still not feeling well, but I'm, trust me, I'm a little bit better or much better than the last week. Just trust me on that. But yeah, we couldn't record that Friday, and obviously we have work and other schedules throughout the week so there you go so we're recording now um but okay so you brought up your busyness at katsukan why don't you start us off helen uh katsukan happened uh the weather was not terrible this weekend which was great um i mean a little chilly but it turned out to be the perfect weather for wearing flame from fire emblem since that involves a heavy wig and non-breathable satin fabric so you kind of want it to be cooler rather than warmer in those situations. I bought a lot of new plush friends. Uh, yeah, just a pretty solid average Katsukan. Was definitely disappointed by uh, a good number of people not wearing masks, even though it was required. Hell, I saw a lot of staff not you're, wearing masks. You're so d disappointed? I, I'm not even surprised. I mean, d disappointed and surprised are two different, like, um, measurements. They are two different emotions. You, you can be disappointed, but not surprised, you know? Um, I was just really mad at, like, I saw quite a few staff members not wearing masks, and it's like, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, yes, the, the conventions definitely, I think they're definitely trying to, like, say, yeah, you, you don't have to really wear a mask anymore. Oh, and, and my roommates considered me old because I was the oldest in the hotel room at 32. <laughs> I'm not used to the youths thinking I'm old, especially since, like, I was in better shape for handling all those days of walking than they were. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all you did over the past few weeks? Uh, Justin, I was giving you time to talk about what you were doing, and then we'd go back to what I was doing, and then we could make, you know, uh, transition into the pandemic news. Like, come on, Justin, this is the schedule. This is the plan. Oh boy, we, we we have definite plans for this for the podcast ever before we record. All right, fine. Well, then I'll just talk about the really the only other things I was able to do, which is finish a couple of things. So I finished finally engaged, engage, and again, I don't think my thoughts have really changed. Um, gameplay is pretty fun. Story is weird, and I think some I think I saw somebody comment on Twitter about how there's just so many abrupt like moments within the series within the uh game and i'm like yeah you know i think you're on to something there's just certain parts in the story where it's like okay this this one what happens maybe a chapter or two later wow this got resolved kind of easily or kind of weirdly and then in the latter half of the game it gets weirdly talkly uh, like lots of talk talking and try to elaborate on certain things and it's just like hey you could have maybe explained this earlier or cut this out um like they realize, oh yeah, we gotta explain this mechanic, or oh, we gotta explain this why this person's like this. It's like yeah. And then uh, same with the characters. I mean, you get to love more. You get more knowledge about the characters through their supports. And again, there's always gonna be a few fire emblem characters you're gonna like in each game. Um, 
but it, it's still for the most part there's only like a few i really liked liked maybe when i do my sec, uh, second playthrough i'll find a few more i'll like too but overall it's still like it's definitely a step down in terms of that um, i'm not sure where i would put this in my fire emblem my top fire emblem games playlist maybe top five maybe how long is your list <laughs> I played every Fire Emblem game that's been released in the West. Yeah, and, I don't know how um, many games new, that is. Newest, uh, it's definitely over ten. That's for sure. Uh, it's either in the twelve, thirteen range, maybe somewhere around there. Uh, uh, by default, um, Shadow Dragon is last, but that's mostly because it is a remake of a fam. Uh, what we a Famicom game. Um, that's not fun with though, mind you, but it obviously is very limited compared to all the other Fire Emblem games. Um, but I'll see if whenever I do my second playthrough, and I'll be on hard mode, so that, that's gonna be great. <laughs> more deaths, more hit rate, not actually doing its job. Uh, it's gonna be great, fantastic. Um, but it's nice to just play it and just get used to all the mechanic, new mechanics, and. Uh, the flow of the game and stuff like that, so that's fine. Um, so, will I talk about Fire Emblem Engage again on this podcast? Of course. Maybe when I beat it again. I think that's the only time. Or unless something cool happens. Uh, the only else I should say, excuse me, <clears throat> I did play one of the DLC because um, they released uh, the expansion pass and I obviously got that. Uh, so, I got Camilla. For some reason, she's called the Emblem of Revelations. I'm like, uh, that does not quite. <laughs> she's the Emblem work. of Revealing for sure, but I don't think that quite works. Azura's right there, so unless they have, I don't, I don't know if they will have plans for Azura, or they just decided not to use her for DLC. Don't know, but unless they had other plans, and I play Revelations. I mean, it's been a while, and I believe she's Camille's like one of the ones that defects early. Uh, to join them, um, Corin, in Revelations, because she's like one of the few that was in Nora, and they jump. She jumps over to the player side, but um, still, I don't know if that's a fitting title. <laughs> Could have come with something else, I think. But um, still gotta play the other DLCs that dropped. Uh, the paralogs. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll probably talk about Engage whenever I beat the hard mode. Not feeling like I'm gonna be doing maddening in this mode, but never, I won't say never say never, so we'll see. And I finally finished sometime rendering, and also I say finish, and I also include the uh, English dub. Um, so I botched both sub and dub. It can definitely obviously say the sub is better, if only just the fact that for my watching, uh, obviously the time the timing for the subtitles were just off, unless I had to, it's like fix the break part, so I could just like. Okay, show your Hulu ad, all your Hulu original stuff, blah, blah, blah. Then get to a certain part, refresh. Then it actually is timed perfectly. Uh, that was annoying to do for every single episode. But um, I still had a good time. Uh, it's one of the few anime, I think, over the past few years where it gets like a really nice, good ending where it kind of like ties almost everything up. And, and I think even, they even added, I think, a couple... A decent amount of original scenes compared to the ending of the manga. Um, so that made things feel all tied together. Um, 
into a more complete package than I feel like most anime are able to do. Like, they don't really... It's always this lingering ability, uh, lingering feeling of, is this really how it's going to end? Let me show this. Seems like it was all a little fast. Um, so, yeah, I think um, if you haven't watched Summertime Rendering, um, definitely give it a shot. And now I will hope against all hope that somebody out there in the next couple of years will release it in home home media. <laughs> Get it, so I actually own it. But I have my doubts. Yeah, let's see. Oh, and I also, uh, aside from stuff I've been reading for review here, I read uh, Yokohama Kaidashi Kiko for Manga in Your Ears, and I liked it more than I expected. Uh, the color pages are really pretty. Even though these volumes are omnibus volumes, they're like three in one. I felt like it read pretty quickly and it went by rather nicely. And I'm definitely enjoying it. Glad it got released over here. Woohoo! Yeah, that was like one of those long, long running or older titles that I don't think anybody saw coming. Get to get licensed and then Seven Seas did it. And nominee can release it. That's, that's good. That's good. And then, we are not the only thing that's been delayed recently. We shouldn't even be calling this pandemic news. We should just be calling this delayed news. All right, so rapid fire now. Technoroid Overmind was delayed um, due to COVID-19 and it's turning March 1st. Most folks are saying COVID-19 as a reason for these delays. So it might be outbreaks of the staff in Japan. It might be trouble having in-betweeners finish things in China. It might just be a convenient scapegoat. Who knows? But that is the reason most of these places are giving. Uh, Spy Classroom has also been delayed a week. It will be returned March 2nd. Uncle from Another World finally has a date for its finale, March 8th. As a reminder, that one started airing last summer, and there have been folks saying the delays here were really less about COVID-19 and more about just utter mismanagement. Uh, Bofuri Season 2 is going to have a two-week delay and will return on March 8th, but who knows when the final two episodes will air now because they're going to run out of time in their time slot. Uh, the yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. The final episode of Can Cole season two is going to air March twenty fifth, and the anime delayed its fourth episode from November twenty fourth to December fifteenth due to production circumstances, and then uh, the fifth episode on December twenty second, and the sixth episode is also delayed to January nineteenth. The seventh episode aired just within the past week, so uh, that is what we call a cursed production around here. And yes. And just to be clear, we don't know specifically if COVID-19 played a role, but you never know what these production circumstances are. And this is a time where just lots of things are getting delayed due to the COVID. So. And speaking of of Curse series, Megaton Musashi, um, Musashi Season 2 has delayed its last two episodes even further. Um, and apparently the staff is still recovering from production delays that already occurred because of the spread of COVID-19 at China last year. Uh, a lot of these, but not all of them, are being partially produced by Aniplex. And another Aniplex title has joined the list of being delayed indefinitely. Uh, season 2 of The Misfit of Demon Academy. Uh, let's see, Black Cover Sword of the Wizard King film is being delayed to June 16th. Uh, Masume-kun's Revenge R has been delayed from the spring season to now the summer season. And um, notably, this, Misfit, and Bofuri are all animated by Silverlink, which seems to definitely be having a cascading issue of delays at this point. 
Yeah, make sure. You know, you know what? They had um announced Mission Yuzukura Family, the, the the anime coming out in 2024. I think most people were wondering why. Looks at Silver Links, all these delayed titles. Maybe we know why now. <laughs> um, yeah, since again, Bofuri, in addition to these delays we just mentioned, it was originally supposed to air in the fall. And then one last one uh, St. Cecilia and Pastor Lawrence is being delayed from the spring season to the summer season, which is another Anaplex produced show. But, um, this studio, um, Doge Kobo, has also been having a rough time over the past year or so since they had delays last year with Shikamori's Not Just a Cutie and are currently having delays with uh, Technoroid. So yeah, if you guys let your production schedules get bad, it affects things. This is what happens when everyone is trying to make more anime than they can feasibly do. It's just, it's going to end badly for everybody. <laughs> You would, you, you would think. And by end badly for everyone, I mean delays and people possibly dying of overwork. Right. And who knows if we're even still out of delay a city for a couple of these titles. I think it, I think very some more sick than others, but then there's still, maybe you never know, a last minute or two curveball. and just going to be like, seriously? I, I was almost tempted to think that we might have had more delays from this season due to COVID than when it COVID like, really, like, got started. Uh, I don't know if I want to go that far. It definitely feels like the most delays we've had in a while. Yeah. Yeah, at least for that, we've definitely had the most delays in a good while, for sure. Okay. Now going to move on to the news section, and definitely have to talk about this a bit. Uh, Legendary manga creator Leiji Matsumoto uh, passed away uh, 85 due to acute heart failure. Um, the, uh, I believe the service already happened. Um, I don't think, I think if you're into manga and if you're, even if you're not into manga, watch the anime and maybe if you have, it's a big into like graphic novels and comics, you obviously know who Masamoto is, uh, the obviously creator of Space, Power Captain Harlock, Galaxy Express 999, and Queen Morales. Um, also did the designs on Interstellar 555. Right. And you can trace most I think a decent amount of sci-fi uh, space works to what Masumoto has done over the decades. Uh, so his impact is immeasurable. Um, so yeah, obviously it's a pretty tough loss. Um, so my condolences to uh, his him and his family, for sure. Although he's had a few health scares over the years, so this is not wholly unexpected, you know? Right. And then... Onto some other news that has occurred. Um, English dub voice actor Mike Hayamoto, who you might know if you're watching the uh, Villain Saga dub, is the voice of Thorfinn. This is the High uh, Die dub, it? not the Amazon dub. Oh, right. Oh wait, wait. No, this it's on Netflix. So but you're talking about the. <laughs> There's at least two okay, dubs for right. the There's, show. I'm talking. I'm talking about. Sorry, I want to make this clear. I'm talking about this current season. Uh, it might be right about just being the uh, Sentai version. I was thinking also the Crunchyroll version. Um, this is what I meant to put there. Uh, he, this is the current VA of uh, Thorfinn, the Crunchyroll version of Villain Saga Season 2. Um, yeah, these, these Netflix, this, this, this whole anime service thing is just really throwing me off. But okay. Um, uh, Haimoto was accused of domestic abuse and sexual assault by his former girlfriend, Avery Smithhart, in a 50-page document. Um, 
So Smithart uploaded a Google Drive of documents and interactions last week, uh, and an article goes into pretty good detail on what's what's what what uh, she's saying he's done. He's done. Um, the company's Crunchyroll, I think it was Crunchyroll Sentai. Yep, uh, yep. They tried to reach in and tried to reach out to Haimoto, Sentai, and Crunchyroll, but they did not provide a response in press time. Um, so yeah, this is obviously something that's not what you want to hear. Uh, but this is actually something we've heard, like in general, with these with VAs or or just in general uh, over the past year, just something just going on with these relationships and. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to know more that's going to come over the next you know few weeks for sure. Yeah, since usually when news like this comes out, you'll have one person, you know, filing a lawsuit, etc., and then you'll usually have more people come out and say, "Actually, this also happened." So, right. keep an eye on the space, folks. As best you can keep an eye on a space that is an intangible podcast. Right. Um, the uh, Crunchyroll obviously has grown pretty big and they're pretty much like oh yeah we know that's the major service to stream most anime nowadays and they're still just like any other company they still can't retain lots of people so they recently uh, laid off around 85 employees globally um, and they emailed the Crunchyroll pre uh, president uh, I think it's the new president uh, Rahul Purini had informed staff about the layoffs February 16th. Uh, the email cited since they had the Funimation Crunchyroll merger. It was obviously going to be positions that were kind of redundant. So, um, according to um, ANN sources, that they were cited, they cited that this is not a cost-saving measure, but rather a matter of resolving redundant roles. Which I would argue Whether, is cost-saving, you know? <laughs> it's like, hmm. I guess the question is, you could argue it's cost-saving, and there's also the argument of is it a position that was really needed when we already have a few people there to do it? You would think, I guess, Crunchyroll still should have enough money to keep them, right? That would be the argument. Um, but yeah, at some point we knew that Crunchyroll was going to just start laying, especially like with this merger, they were going to start laying people off. Now it's just a case of how extensive will they actually be. And then obviously the big thing is whether or not the 85 employees that have been laid off can you know, get back into work and everything. So hope for the best for them. And let's see. Uh, the Prince of Tennis creator Takeshi Konomi has revealed on Twitter that he can't walk anymore and is uh, currently using a wheelchair. Uh, he did it. Um, he did not attend Jump Fiesta 23 event as planned due to poor health. And he's mentioned a couple of times that he's been in poor health due to an unspecified illness. So don't know if he's going to be using a wheelchair permanently temporarily or whatnot uh just hope that his health improves either way yeah, the, yeah same here same here let's see and uh speaking of someone whose health i think is improving a little bit uh yumi miyamoto is going to be returning to her role of nika nananura in gundam the witch from mercury part two uh took a brief hiatus starting back in november and was just going to be doing some work with restrictions so glad that uh, she's doing well enough to be able to return to this role. And then um, the mangaka uh, Shuichi Shigeno has resumed MF Ghost. Uh, manga went on hiatus due to his health back in November. I wonder what the MF stands for. 
Because we both uh, know what I just immediately thought it stood for. <laughs> must must be something in that that manga. It must mean must be a full spelling for that. Okay, let's get over the the many uh, licenses that happened over the past three weeks. Um, so this is we're gonna start with Seven Seas first. Uh, you had the usual, or now they're resuming their one for Wednesdays. So that means every week there's gonna be something new. Uh, being announced uh, so maybe one week you might not find something you like but another week you'll, you you might find something you do like so um, they license Uto's she on the movements of the earth Shio Utsui's I married my female friend I Shimizu's breakfast breakfast with my two-tailed cat Yasuhisa Kuma's dungeon friends forever Kamui sees my boss is a giant. He manages my every need with enormous skill. I'll get back to that title in a little bit. I Hibiki's I can't refuse S. Sayo Momota's revenge Kai Damakan. Simurai's Saiga and Sayaka Shirosaki's loyal soldier lustful beast. Uh, the interesting part about this one is that it's also a light novel. This light novel and the theater ties I mentioned is also part of the steamship line. <laughs> if people couldn't tell so from you, the titles. <laughs> yes, if just in case you couldn't tell, it's all part of the steamship. Uh, steamship line and then um i had to definitely note the uh <laughs> if you didn't look at the cover for the uh, first title i mentioned uh you'd, look, you'd be like okay it sounds i guess uh smutty enough but then you look at the they have a subtitle in perfect english in the actual japanese cover and it's called the scary boss's extra large size won't fit <laughs> wonder wonder if those i wonder if seven will somehow keep that i mean i doubt it but i wonder if seven will somehow find a way to keep that when they make their English cover. <laughs> um, they also um, licensed Tamaki Wakaki's 365 Days to the Wedding. Um, I'm actually looking forward to this one because, oh my god, it's the world godly and those uh, creators work. I can actually read officially something he's worked mm -hmm. on. Yeah, I don't know if it's good or not, but I'll find out. Uh, Yuki Kimikawa, Cruel GZ, and Sturkey's Modern Dungeon Capture, starting with Broken Skills. They got the manga and the light novel. Nies, anyhow. The rabbit is infatuated with the puppy. And Otsushi, Landra, and Yoshi Inomi's Summer Ghost. Uh, this is the manga and the light novel. So that's all 76 titles coming either late this year and into early 2024. Okay. Okay, if Seven Seas is done for the moment, we'll talk about Yen Press licensing a lot of things. Uh, possibly less? I don't know. So, they are licensing uh, Kisetsu, Morita, Hitsu, Hitsujibako, and Benio's um, I've Been Killing Slimes for 300 Years and Maxed Out My Level spinoff, The Red Dragon Academy for Girls, which is like the one spinoff from Killing Slimes I've been interested in, so huzzah. Um, <laughs> Magica Quartet's Puella Magi Madoka Magica, the movie Rebellion, the complete omnibus edition. Tomoki Izumi's Miroko-chan anthology comic. Mikagi um, Sawamura and Toji Ayo's associate professor Akira Tatsuki's Conjuncture, <laughs> which, um, is that? No, something else. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Rocket Shokai's Sentence to Brave Punishment, which is a light novel. Uh, Haruki Kyo and Konomi's Liar Liar, another light novel. And 
Umikaze Minamoto and Loraha Kun Loraha's Kunon the Sorcerer Can See Through light novel. Don't know what they can see through. I'm assuming it's something lewd because all those steamship titles are still in my mind. Uh, <laughs> Miko Nuji's I Don't Need a Happy Ending. Suzu Akekiko's The Illustrated Guide to Monster Girls. Bisco Kida's After We Gaze at the Starry Sky. Studio Headlines, The Witch's Marriage. Kenji uh, Surubuchi's Togi Oni, Primal Gods in Ancient Times. Sasara Nagase, Anko Yuzu, and Mitsuya Fuji's The Second Chance Noble. Um, the Second Chance Noble's Noble Daughter set at, Sets Out to Conquer the Dragon Emperor, which is the manga. Light novel is licensed by Cross of New Worlds called The Do Over Damsel Conquers a Dragon Emperor. Which explains why I was seeing. I was like, wait a minute, I feel like we were talking about Sarasa Nagasi recently. I, I just had to check, like, wait, then like, the Sarasa Nagasi did. Are we sure we don't have another title <laughs> of hers already? <laughs> so I had to check. Like, oh, yeah, it's Cross Cross from Ross Publishing. Yeah. Uh, Oku Tamamushi's I Don't Know Which Is Love. And then finally, Mikoto Yamaguchi and DP's Game of Familia Family Senki. I don't even know if I'm interested in most of these because it's like the where you just have so many licenses at this point. It's like just words, you know. It's just like, well, it's uh, obviously for me at least the Miracle Chan anthology. I'm gonna take a look at for sure. Um, but yeah, I probably wouldn't. I probably check out the studio headline title, uh, the studio headline work. But I'll see when they actually like see the synopsis and everything if I'm interested in any of these stars or not. Um, so yes, it's, um, this is a weird thing to say, but Kanacha has been kind of been on the ball technically with their digital announcements. They've been leveling. First of all, they've been lowering digital announcements, so they would either happen at the end of the month or next second to the end of the month. Um, they don't have them up on digital platforms early, so it's like okay, I can't figure out what they're actually gonna bring bringing out. And then they were announced at a timely, I guess, timely matter for them. Great, fantastic. They did not do that for the Nun for March. <laughs> Nun for March, they've already had two titles that are already up on multiple platforms. And that would be Keiko Sendobu's Life and Life 2, Giver uh, slash take talker, uh, Taker. taker. Uh, both were, uh, these will be released respectively March 7th and March 14th. Um, I am also assuming this week Kadansha will finally and formally announce all their digital debuts for March. Maybe it's going to be a Keiko Suinobu fest. Let's see. Talking about digital manga, Mangamo has added or will add the following manga to their service soon. Uh, Shinya Murata and Kasusi Tsumita's Killing Bites on February 15th. Is that one already licensed by somebody or does it just have an anime? Uh, it has an anime. Uh, it actually did get released on like digital storefronts a few weeks ago. Okay. Uh, you Toyota's Papa and Daddy's uh, Home Cooking on February 22nd. And Hanta Kinoshita's The Force of the Fox on March 1st. Listen, it's very important to try to pronounce, you know, all the capital letters. <laughs> Raise that voice, Helen. Raise that voice. <laughs> Cross Infinite Worlds has also licensed a couple more light novels. They've really been licensing a lot recently. Akako Hazuki Futaba's The Reincarnated Villainous Won't Seek Revenge. Uh, Sakushi, Sakushi Neko and Yukiko's uh, Lovestruck, Lovestruck Prince. I'll fight the heroine for my villainous fiancé. 
uh, Makino Maebaru and Murasaki Shido's The Invisible Wallflower, Wallflower marries an upstart aristocrat after getting dumped for her sister. So the villainous <laughs> genre is alive and well in English. It's just so alive. <laughs> Very alive. Um, a Blaze is basically locked into Osamu Tezuka titles for this year and 2024, Helen. Um, they... They're really out there getting more of the probably like maybe not so known Tezuka titles. 100 Tales, which going to come out this summer. Uh, Shakespeare Manga Theater is planned for quarter four of this year. Tomorrow the Birds, planned for quarter two of 2024. And Neil Foss, which is planned for quarter four of 2024. Uh, it's a ways away for a couple of these titles, but hey, at least. At least you know they're going to be coming at some point in the future. Um, uh, Osamu Kozuki, uh, Kozuki's Stand for Salvation and Ryoma Kitada's Yumiochi Dreaming of Falling for You are up on Manga Plus. Uh, I think those were added uh, as soon as their chapters went out in Japan, so that's nice. And then in front of it, I like seeing news. Oh, this is an interesting one because it's not like it's published. As far as we know, it's no like English publisher for this one. It's just. Akiko Morishima just putting one of her works up on Amazon. So uh, it's in English. The Single Life, 60-Year-Old Lesbian Who Is Single and Living Alone. Um, this came out a few weeks ago. And uh, it was noted, uh, I think, this past week. So you can just get that right now. Yeah, it's a little surprising since Seven Seas has published so much of her work. And this feels like something they also would have wanted to publish. So, um, yeah, I just wonder why she made that choice. All right, moving into streaming news. Uh, Viz just dumped a whole bunch of stuff on Hulu. Previously, Viz has had stuff on Hulu, but they took it all down in, I think, October 2020. So now up again, uh, they have all episodes of Death Note, uh, all of Inuyasha, both the TV series and the movies, Hunter x Hunter, episodes 1 through 148, Mr. Osomatsu, seasons 1 and 2, Naruto episodes 1 through 220, uh, all of the Sailor Moon, uh, Axel World Infinite Burst, which I believe was the movie, Tiger and Bunny the movie, the beginning, as well as Tiger and Bunny the movie, The Rising, K, Missing Kings, which was the movie associated with that series, Infinity Force the movie, Farewell Friend, and Mazinger Z, Infinity. Don't know if these are all subbed or if there's any dubs, since I know a couple of these titles have dubs associated with them. I looked at the blog post Viz put out, and they didn't say. And I don't currently have Hulu, so I was not inclined to go double-checking what they should have put out from the beginning. Two <laughs> <laughs> um, Fall Anime uh, season shows did not actually get official uh, streaming when they aired. Until now, uh, High Divers picked up Immoral Guild, the, I think that's the fan service one, and Eternal Boys... Uh, don't think it quite. I don't think it's like uh, play it cool guys. Um, I think it's something different. Yeah, the name I like that. I'd be expecting like an idol thing, like a, like a guidel show. Right. right. Um, but uh, these are both um, now up on um, high dive. I want to say I think Eternal Bros is still ongoing, but I'm, I can't remember. Uh, also on high dive now, Kinero Mosaic. Thank you. Uh, the and an, the anime film and Kinero Mosaic Pretty Days. Which is a special uh, anime episode. Oh, and also up on High Dive as well. Um, and then, in a shocking twist, 
DMS has not completely given up on any any more Conan in the West. I mean, of course, Discotech's uh, putting out Conan. Um, we know that, but apparently, my understanding is they've been kind of radio silent on, like, TM for TMS, the uh, producing studio for like producer for Case Closed. They've been pretty uh, quiet regarding any more Conan aside from what Discotech has released. Uh, I think the last like Discotech uh, release was uh, the Lupin Conan special, one of the specials that happened in the summer. So it's been about it's been a bit since we've had like any new announcements for 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 Conan, uh, but now we have out of nowhere new episodes or dubbed episodes of Conan, and they're all on two two B TV. To be clear, it's just a, a nine sixty five to nine nine seventy four of Conan. Um, seven gone around to watching it. I do want to try them out at some point, but I did see a Mike Tools tweet about how they how some of their voices sounded. So that was amusing. <laughs> Uh, I'm already looking forward to finding out exactly how they sound. Then, in things that are incredibly up my alley, uh, G Kids is going to be sc- streaming, well, screening, not streaming, screening the Spirited Away stage plays in theaters sometime in the spring. Uh, they haven't given any dates for it yet, but the way that these were done in Japan, there were like two entirely separate casts who I think would alternate different nights for performances. Which seems kind of weird to me, but okay. And apparently they are going to be screening, uh, well, one, one of each cast. So two different performances, I guess, technically. Again, no details yet about what days they will be showing this or if it'll be multiple showings of each um, cast. But yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting. Especially since I've seen some production skills from it. And it looks like they made use of like some cool puppets for stuff like Haku as a dragon. So yeah. Sounds cool. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, move on to the weird news of the past few weeks, Helen. And Three weeks. I'm just going to have to check. Well, I'm trying to cheat with the few weeks, but okay, fine. A few weeks is doing doing a lot of work, so fine. Three weeks. Three, well, uh, I, I, I thought you weeks. said two, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. Um, I can't believe I actually get to say this, Helen. Pluto lives. No, not 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 the planet. Um, we're not talking about the planet. The obviously the planet lives. Not we're as a planet the, though. Not as a planet. But um, many many years ago, 2017, <laughs> it was revealed at this um anarchy. Is that really the Genghis booth at the NXT International Film Festival that Pluto, which is the Naoki uh, Ostawa. Osama Tessica uh, crossover kind of mashup where... Um, well, it's more like Usama Ursula Drew... did an adaptation of yeah, the Tessica yeah, yeah, story. Not exactly a crossover because yeah. Tessica had been done for like two decades yeah. by that point. Yeah, that makes... Yeah, okay, clear enough, clear enough. Um, but yes. But there was an anime that was supposedly announced, but it was never officially, officially announced um, anywhere else aside from just that. I don't know. I think they uh, talked about it briefly at Animazement of the same year or a year after since... That's one of the conventions that um, Masa Murayama often goes to. Okay, that makes sense too. Um, but either way, there's been literally nothing else we have heard about that. And the, the, Until some of the production uh, stills, paperwork, references, don't remember the exact word, um, went up for sale on like Yahoo Japan last year, I think, or earlier this year. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And... But despite all that, there was literally nothing we've heard about it until now, 
where Netflix it looks like they acquired they've acquired the rights to it, and um, have to admit, looks interesting. I, I'm definitely not sure I like how some of the composting looked, but the style is pretty unique. I, I think, and, and to be fair, I haven't. It's been a while since I read Pluto. It's been so I don't can't remember everything about it, but um, at least for a first teaser, it's not didn't look too bad. Uh, I am a little interested how I went with the no voice acting route. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was like this is, it, it's got some cool visuals, but it's not working very well as a trailer since there's like no narration, dialogue, etc. to tie these scenes together. Yeah, so if you haven't yeah, read Pluto, you're probably a bit confused. Yeah, it's a little bold to go with that route. So I'm hoping a proper trailer. I I obviously a proper trailer will come up in the next couple months, but um, I think just the fact that. There is going to be, and it also to point out, it's supposed to come out this year. Uh, so the fact that this is happening is a decent sign. I am very much looking forward to seeing more about it and obviously um, how they sound and everything like that. So uh, this is nice news, but it's also weird news because it's been so long to be heard from it. Uh, I think most people were thinking like, oh, it's not going to happen or something. So there you go. Yeah, basically everyone I know has been like, ooh, the CGI doesn't look really good, or ooh, the compositing could be better. And I feel like I'm the only person who didn't notice that, because I was looking at the trailer just being like, this looks great! So... No, I was... No, same, same, same. Like, no, no, there were some parts... Um, I can't remember... I, I, it's hard to describe, but there were some moments in the trailer where I was kind of reminded like one of those um, video games where you have like this one person in this... Like, just walking around in a static background with the background's not really moving... I can't really describe it that well, but there was something about it was like mm, a little weird. But I didn't mind it that much, honestly. Like personally, like I lock, I watched it. It looked pretty good. I did see some uh, people saying that some of the coloring choices reminded them a little bit of a Studio Go Hands. Oh my god, that'd be a two. <laughs> Not like as bad as like Handshakers, but a bit of Studio Go Hands going on. Um. So I'm not sure if Creed 3 is out just yet. I think it's coming up maybe this week or maybe it's... It might be out already, but it may be out this week. Um, but obviously the press tour is going on. So obviously people, lots of people are interviewing Michael B. Jordan. And uh, doing an interview with IGN, um, he was asked uh, about if there was any anime, anime influences on the, from the film. And he definitely confirmed that. And he also cited Hajime Ippo. Hachime no Ippo and Megalobox as a couple of the inspirations, um, especially for like some of the fight scenes. So it's like, oh, so it's gonna be all anime, cool. Oh, except it's actually like real people doing the animated fighting. <laughs> Great, fantastic. Looking forward to finding out how this turns out whenever I feel like watching it, if I ever do wanna watch it, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <sighs> Let's see, <laughs> so. Uh, Niso Isen is known for just writing, like, really strangely intricate things. And I don't mean, like, oh, this is such a complicated story. I mean, more along the lines of, what the fuck is this wordplay? And so, uh, the translator for Cypher Academy has resigned, <laughs> citing translation difficulty, saying that they've basically gotten to the point where it is just impossible to translate. Uh, let's see, this was in a Screen Rant article, which, um... I have some questions about this article, but I'll get to those in a second. 
the article cited a lipogram challenge in chapter 10 where the characters quote shonen jump manga using only specific japanese syllables as a particularly difficult passage to to adapt the english translation had to transliterate the symbols then provide and then provide a translation of the meaning in brackets and so just yeah it, it looks like it was pretty hard but then in this same article in screen rant um I don't think it was written by the translator. I think it was written by somebody else because they were saying stuff like Akane Banshi would be impossible to animate because of like wordplay like this. And it was like, what are you telling me about like a Rakugo manga being impossible to animate? Just like what? <laughs> and so it's like, I'm trusting you for what you're directly quoting from the translator, but I'm calling to suspect like all of your other opinions. <laughs> I, I will just add um, Kotaku. I meant to put this in here. But Kotaku did talk to Kumar, uh, the translator, who um, basically resigned from Cypher Academy. Um, and Kumar had told them that he he was still willing to do the series, but only if Viz would like basically raise their rates to like the book <laughs> Compensate level. me for all the extra effort yeah, it's taking. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because it sounds like Cypher Academy is a little bit... Remember, these are Samo Pubbed Weekly... And who knows when they get these files to actually work on it. And you need to be basically paying enough to actually be able to uh, do this. And it's not like Kumar is a, a new person. This person has been translating a bunch of other stuff. I think he's, he's translated Mob Psycho. Um, yeah, I think he's been translating for like over a decade at least. Yeah, definitely a long time translator. So basically the fact is that Cypher Academy was just a, a little bit more distinct than the typical Weekly Shonen Jump uh, series. So... Uh, anyways, so Kumar wanted the race, have the race raised up, but Biz said no, so uh, that's why he based. That was one of the other reasons why he ended up saying that was it. Uh, my understanding is they did find a new translator for Cipher Academy, so um, either this week's chapter or next week's chapter is being done by the new translator. But yes, yeah, rare we actually have somebody a bit <laughs> publicly admit to this, though. It's very rare. Yeah, and I know that recently people were getting up in arms over one of the chapters in My Hero Academia by a different translator, since, like, one character came in and was speaking with a ton of slang, and there was, like, a lot of, like, translator notes for it. And people were like, oh, the fan translation did so much better, until someone posted a screenshot of, like, in Japanese, it was like, no, they are, like, replicating how it looked in J Japanese. In Japanese, it also has, like, five different, you know, author's notes, etc. This was just... A joke that did not translate well because people did not realize it was actually directly copying what Horikoshi did in Japanese. It just sounds like absolute madness over there in My Hero Academia line. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, I put this in here because I thought this was neat. It's not really quote-unquote weird news. But I felt like, okay, this is actually kind of neat. So, uh, Mamoroshi uh, is, gonna be, is directing a or is teaching a five-hour as a five-hour video course on the uh, on-demand video course service Naro. Um, so if you're interested, uh, it's also English subtitles. So if you're interested in like learning about the anime process and everything from Mamoroshi, um, might be interesting to try it out. It's Seventy-five bucks. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, so I said like I'm not. I mean, it's five hours. I don't know if I want to spend five hours doing it but for 75 bucks I, I can definitely think of a couple of people in my life who are like animation adjacent who would definitely be up for spending like five hours on that since plenty of folks who do storyboarding etc take workshops you know every now and then anyway you know to get new ideas talk with new people etc 
right um so thanks so thanks so she thanks a lot it's good at this is really good uh let's see it's always interesting to hear about what are you know the best performing titles for any given company but it's also really fun to hear about the worst ones and they usually don't say what the worst ones were yeah usually they don't right <laughs> yeah but um the founder of Media Blasters, uh, John Cirabel, uh revealed in an article, interview, revealed in, in yeah, a yeah, um, like citable like fashion that uh, some of the worst-selling titles for Media Blasters were Gal Gygar, King of the Braves, which is kind of funny since Discotech just started picking that one up, and uh, Bakuman was also another one that sold poorly for them, which I think tracks since I feel like if I saw people talking about it, it was about the manga, not the anime. And I feel like a lot of the chatter I saw was, hey, this is really sexist. Not like your usual kind of sexism either. This one's just kind of rude sexism. So not entirely surprised there. <laughs> Although uh, now I'm really wondering how Gal Gygar is going to sell for discotech. I'm really fascinated. Well, that well for discotech, I feel like that's more of their brand, I guess, just selling stuff like that. Yeah, Cirabella uh, was saying that like Gal Gygar is like one of those things that has like a is like beloved by fans but it doesn't necessarily have a ton of fans so we will see although yeah. it seems like discotech uh, is usually making reasonably good choices with we think people will actually buy this you know to make up for whatever effort it's going to take right um as for bakuman i want to say it did well streaming but i can't remember if it actually streamed anywhere <laughs> i feel like it did it's definitely of the right era when you know everything's getting streamed uh yeah, I think it was streamed. I think it was a pretty big title, but I don't know if people really wanted to buy from Media Blasters at the time. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, there's a difference between a show you enjoy streaming and a show you want to have on physical home media. Or at least for me there is, and I suspect it is that way for other people. Right. Um, but yeah, I think Cerbero uh, was, was noted. Oh yeah, we got the the work from the Death Note people. That that should definitely mean something, right? Not So Bakuman was actually pretty successful and not anywhere close to successful is definitely not not even close and i think also you talk about the the sexism part but i think just the topic itself manga like these kids trying to do become a manga artist it's appealing but not like super appealing in a, in a certain way so that, that storyline's been done in a number of different ways and it's been done more entertainingly in many other instances So let's see. Just when you thought we were just done with collaborations, Overwatch. When did you think we now... were done with collaborations? I was not under this misguided notion. <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, I meant video games, Helen, not not us. Uh, but anyways, uh, so One Punch Man and Overwatch have a collaboration. Uh, it's gonna launch in March. Uh, I had to admit, when I saw the design, it looked kind of weird, kind kind of ugly. I just didn't but know that Overwatch did collabs. Uh, I feel like they've shown they've done collabs before. I think I feel I feel like they have, but it's been, I don't really I don't really follow the Overwatch scene that well. So, um, and I guess in front of a bit of weird news, two for one, Aww. mostly because it involves the oh what what's up? I, I want to do the first one. I want to do the crime one. <laughs> okay, do the crime one, Helen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> do the crime so one. do you guys remember last time when we were talking about like this? ring of scammers that was hitting elderly Japanese people and it was being run by some guy out of like a Filipino prison named Luffy um well he was extradited to Japan and was flown back on a Boeing 737 uh, uh seven, 
sorry, a 767-300ER uh, aircraft, and its registration number is JA-620J, which was the very same jet that was redecorated last year as the One Piece collaboration. Japan Airlines swears this was a total coincidence, but um, <laughs> I have big doubts there. Just, you know? <laughs> it's like, hey, 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 you, you gotta pay paying attention, right? Don't think you're slick. You're not slick. Listen, the a- aviation nerds are on top of everything. They will pick this up. <laughs> Uh, and then to continue the One Piece uh, theme, but now we have a different type of collaboration. One Piece in sports. Um, there was a obviously a UFA Champions League match, football match that happened, and the Paris Saint Germain FC fans set up an elaborate One Piece display that amusingly even involves Luffy's rubber arm stretching halfway across the stadium. Uh, stadium. It is glorious, Helen. It is glorious. I'll have to look this one up after the pod then. Yep, I, I they have the uh, link in the uh, article. It's um, it's like wow, it's pretty long. <laughs> if, if if they if you know if they desired it, they could have probably done the whole stadium that way, <laughs> just have a circle all around. And then so this 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 continues the One Piece collaborating with sports things. So remember, you did, they did the USC thing last year, just for promotion for the One Piece uh red film. Oh, so this was actually like an official collaboration. This wasn't just fans no, doing no, something. No, no, this was not No, 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 this is fans doing something. Okay, well then one. that's not a collaboration. Collaboration well, is like I'm just actually mostly, companies. Okay. I'm, I'm mostly just going with the sports collaboration thingy, like, like one piece in sports. That's really what I'm yes, going. Yes, and we got to be accurate in the words we use. Otherwise, people are going to take us out of context. <sighs> you you're not You really. need responsibility. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to be responsible, Helen. Well, then you, wanna... you were the one who shouldn't have started a, an entire anime website. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry later. Okay. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> You're the one who's just gonna keep irritating your throat even more. Duh. Anyways, gonna end the podcast like this. You can follow the Oshie Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can ask any artist you got. And you can subscribe uh, through email. You can check out theoshi.com for reviews and futures. Um, you can check out the Oshi Twitter for any unexpected or known news for manga and light novels mostly. Uh, usually nothing totally random. Maybe some something out of... If, if somebody sends a press release and I think it's legit, maybe it'll go up. But <laughs> it's mostly just manga and light novels. You can find me on Twitter at comedy underscore know me. Maybe retreating stuff. And you can find me on Twitter at Wandering Dreamer. And you can find that other podcast I co-host, the one I mentioned earlier, at Manga in Your Ears on Twitter. Uh, as as I feel like we've been saying every time, Twitter seems to still be around, so you can still find us there. And hopefully, if Twitter does die, you have uh, made note of where you can find us and <laughs> go over there instead. <laughs> Until next time then, folks. See ya! Bye!